Hi, this is Dan. I want to just thank everybody for listening and let you know that Mike and I are having a great time talking about these films. Now, if you like the show, there are some things you can do to support it. The first is to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. The second is to follow us on Twitter at 15 Minute Film. That's 15 M I N F I L M. And the third is to support the show with a small monthly donation. Now, you could do this on our Anchor FM page. And if you're wondering what we would do with the small monthly donation, the answer is buy new equipment. We like what we have, but we want to do all that we can to get the sound quality as good as it can be. So that's what we're asking for donations for. So please consider one of these ways. You can subscribe, review, follow, or donate. And let us know the titles of any movies you'd like us to cover. Thanks a lot. And now here's the show. Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So welcome back to 15-Minute Film Fanatics. Part of the fun of the show is that Mike and I have seen all these movies, but we've never sat down and had conversations about them. And so a lot of the, you know, a lot of the movies we watch, we obviously both like, and we have arguments pretty much about why the other one should like them. That's right. So, but we haven't seen everything. And every once in a while, um, you're talking to somebody and you're talking about a movie and you end up saying to that person, wait a minute, wait, you've never seen that? So we kind of have a little sub-series of our podcast called You've Never Seen That, because obviously you can't see everything, but... Everyone out there listening, you have that secret list of movies that you've never seen and never gotten around to seeing. So today, we're going to talk about a movie that we've mentioned in passing, right? Um, and I said to Mike, oh, that's funny. You've never seen that? And he said no. And the movie we're going to talk about is The Dark Knight Rises, Christopher Nolan's um, third installment in the Batman trilogy. So, Mike, you're going to go first because you're seeing it for the first time. You just saw it, right? I've seen it a bunch of times, right? What was your big takeaway? Sure. So I didn't see it for any particular reason. 2012 was a busy year. Uh, but I loved the first two installments of these movies directed by uh, Christopher Nolan with the screenplays written by uh, himself and his brother, uh, particularly The Dark Knight. And I really enjoy the sensation that I'm in good hands when I watch these movies. I think all three of them really uh, begin with a bang. I think that they try to let you know what kind of cinematic universe you're in right from the get-go. And I think that a lot of people overemphasize uh, Christopher Nolan's uh, penchant for these great action scenes, which of course he does, but he really gets great performances yeah, he does. out of actors. I mean, we, we're all familiar with how wonderful Heath Ledger was mm -hmm. uh, in The Dark Knight as the Joker, but this is a really fantastic ensemble cast, yeah. uh, including Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, Anne Hathaway, Tom Hardy, and everybody puts on a memorable performance in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was thinking, and, and there's no way to say this without sounding like a jerk, and I totally don't mean to sound like a jerk in what I'm about to say, but I will say that, you know, these come these come as close to real, you know, adult movies as you can be. And I just realized saying adult movies, I don't mean those adult movies, I mean <laughs> movies for grown-ups, as you can get. And it struck me watching this again, how different these three films are from the ones in like the Marvel universe, the MCU, as they call it, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe kept my kids happy. And I, it was something for us to bond together with for, you know, over 10 years. But it's interesting how different they are and the feel of them is so different. Yeah, I kind of put them in a category that I call movies with ideas. You know, you have like popcorn movies sure, and you have films, but you have popcorn movies that are obviously meant for mass consumption. That's, that's the idea. But this is a movie that's made for mass consumption, like I said, that's made with true care from the performances that the actors put into the innovative ways that they use the IMAX camera yeah. to get these incredible shots. And you can say one thing about Christopher Nolan, he will not allow you to be bored. 
No, there's, not, not. there's not a boring, you, you can like it or not like it, but there's not a boring moment in this movie. And when I saw it the first time in the movies, I saw it in IMAX and it was, you know, IMAX, but not 3D. I'm not a fan of 3D, but watching IMAX the first time, that first scene where Bane commandeers the plane, well, my mouth dropped open. You know, it's funny, we'll go back to what you said before about the casting and about how good the performance are and also how good the script is. Um, I can't take any credit for this. I found it online, but I, I knew that somebody would have done this. It, it's incredible. And I thought this too, when I saw The Dark Knight is, is, how, if you take all the minutes in the film, a lot of those minutes, he's not Batman. Like Batman's not in the movie a lot, right? So if you go to see the Avengers, like they better assemble mm-hmm. right quick, right? But somebody did all the time. So I can't take credit for this, but but we get your reaction to this. So when Batman begins, he's only Batman for 24 minutes out of 140. 17% of the time on screen, he's Batman. Dark Knight, he's, he's Batman for 27 minutes in the whole movie, 18%. In this one, now this is the longest one, as you know, right? 164 minutes. He's only Batman for 21 minutes. No way. Yeah. And it's 13%. But it didn't feel that way to me. Like, I wasn't like, like, come on, like, be Batman already. Like, when you're watching a superhero movie and you have to sit through the origin story. Right. And come on, just, just become Spider-Man. Like, we know, we know. And it didn't feel that way to me. But what are you, what's your reaction to those times? No, I, I feel like there's another emphasis going on in these movies. So the the other character that we haven't discussed in these movies is the city of Gotham. Right. And there's there's something where everybody cares about the spirit or the, right. the heart or the soul of Gotham from kind of the first uh, installment of the series where it's the mob controls the whole thing. And then it's about, you know, framing Harvey. And then, you know, it's about Batman has to come back. And I think that there's something about the, the commentary that people of Gotham going on where him being Batman is all is almost distracting. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not that you, nobody Bruce wants, Wayne cares about Gotham. Right. We don't want to sit through a two and a half hour movie where Batman doesn't break somebody's nose or have <laughs> his own nose broken. Obviously right. that is, that is a part of this, but I think that, so I, I watched some of the DC Superman movies and the thing that struck me is Superman always gets in these fights and then he gets knocked into some building and the whole building comes down. You're wondering how much property damage and, you know, civilian casualties that just cost. And, I don't get the same impression from Batman. I have a feeling that Brat- Batman really is Bruce Wayne because as in as far as he's Bruce Wayne, he's trying to do something for the for the soul of the city that's distracting otherwise. Yeah. Also, being these movies make being Batman look really hard. Yes, there's, there's nothing yeah. about the Marvel movies that makes being Spider-Man look difficult. You would sign up to be Iron Man in a second. Right. Because nothing can hurt you, and, uh, obviously, except right. except for certain things at the very last uh, moment. But um, for this one, yes, being to have to go through all that work, like that's, you can't watch a lot of movies if you want to become Batman. Well, exactly. It's like if somebody offered you the suit, you'd be like, I, well, I didn't I know I to do push-ups to be Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to be able to do enough sit-ups to get into that bat suit. I also think that, I'll say one last thing for our first segment, is that the fact that he's not Batman a lot in the movies makes those moments where he is Batman so much more thrilling. So when he finally comes up and he's standing on the ledge, you're like, yeah, he's or, or when he shows up and takes down the six guys in the sewer with Anne Hathaway, um, those moments are actually, you know, it's like you can't have a, a you can't have him go around fighting people for two and a half hours, right? But when he has to fight Bane on the steps of City Hall in the snow, and he's finally out there, and you're like, okay, here we go. And uh, the, the payoff is so is so rewarding. Yeah, I agree. And I really just really like that the chemistry again between him and Morgan Freeman huh. uh, and Michael Caine. Everything just flows really nicely, and those moments are great. All right, we'll see you for segment two. Let's keep it rolling. Welcome back. So in this second segment, we like to talk about a key scene or a revealing moment. Dan, I know you want to start off here. Yeah, I have one that really, really struck me this time. And it's it's the moment where Selena, um, Kyle, and her friend 
are in a presumably uh, you know penthouse apartment after Gotham's been taken over by the mob. So so the prison's been opened. Bane has everyone. Uh, the cops are all in the sewers underground, and now it's pretty much anything goes right. So they're in this apartment, and as you remember, there's an X spray paint on the door, presumably to say like these are the rich. You can go after them. There's those scenes of people being herded out into Fifth Avenue, and there's a great moment where where Selena picks up a photograph in a frame and it's broken, and she's she has a pause. And uh, she says to her friend, you know, this was somebody's house. And her friend says, well, now it's everybody's house. And that makes Selena have a moment where she kind of pauses and thinks about the bigger picture. And I think that's a terrific moment because that, not that I think this movie has some great political commentary or message, but I think that Bane, Bane's appeal to the, to the mob of Gotham is very much like what we hear from politicians today. And I think that that's fascinating. At one point, um, the federal guy tells Blake, this is unprecedented. You know, you've never had anything like Bane. It's unprecedented. Well, it, it, that's not true because he's also Robespierre. I mean, the whole thing is the, is the French Revolution. So you'll hear people say, um, you'll hear politicians say, like, you know, the rich, the rich. Or, um, you know, uh, they have more. Be- and th- then as a result of that, you have less. Now, that's not true. If someone, you know, if, if you make more money than I do, it doesn't mean I make less money. But it's very easy and uh, intuitive for people to understand who aren't going to think it through. And I think that that's what Selena learns when she's dancing with Bruce in the beginning. And she says, um, you know, there's a storm coming, Mr. Wayne. You and your friends better batten down the hatches because when it hits, you're going to wonder how you left so little for all the rest of us. Well, Bruce Wayne hasn't been stealing money from Selena Kyle, but that's a populist kind of appeal to people. And I think that that's how Bane works. And that's what I thought watching it again was how spot on. Bane as a villain mimics the kind of rhetoric we hear. Like he says, like, you know, um, <clears throat> you take, if I may, take down your oppressors, do what you please, storm blockade. I had to do the voice for a yeah. second. But I think that that's, I think that it's so great that Bane, Bane knows that civilization hangs by a thread. And it's great that like they say they're, he's going to give the detonator to a citizen of Gotham, but then you find out, no, the thing's just going to blow up in a month anyway. It doesn't matter. Like he doesn't care about any of that stuff. Um, and so that's the, that's the nightmare of Gotham. That that Bane, uh, you know, creates that that Bruce has to stop. So I know the moment you're talking about, and I think for me, there's a moment where the political, I guess, meets the personal. In other words, it, there's it's one thing to to say or to have those beliefs valid or not, but it's another thing to then you know take over something as personal as you know somebody's photograph. So I right. thought I thought that was a really yeah. interesting moment too. Uh, my moment is when. Uh, Bruce Wayne as Batman has his back broken by Bane. That's uh, one of my favorite moments from the original comic books. Not something that I expected to ever see on screen because I didn't know how the, how how an audience would, would do with that. And you have all these moments, especially in the first two films where uh, Batman is, you know, squaring off against the one villain left, you know, he's, he's always mugged by three or four (laughs) guys and then there's always one left standing. Who's not sure if he's going to fight or run away. And Batman imposes a kind of total imposing helplessness uh, on the people that he fights. And I think that it was really interesting to see that uh, swung around. To see it the, flip. The, the Joker is interesting uh, in the second movie. The Joker, uh, you, you, you can't predict what he's going to do. He's always wild. Uh, but there's something imposing in exactly the ways that Batman is imposing yeah. uh, about Bane as a villain, which I think is what makes him interesting. Yeah, that's why he's a great villain. I mean, there's all these parallels. They're both orphans. I mean, they're both ripped. They were right. both, um, They were both. Um, you know, uh, uh, have masks. Bane says at one point, nobody nobody thought I was interesting until I put on the mask. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Bruce Wayne. Um, so it's kind of funny that the, like they're almost like mirror images of each other. Yeah, I find it really disconcerting the way that Tom Hardy plays Bane. <laughs> I, I think he said that he wanted to put on weight and put on all this muscle to be physically imposing as Bane, but then 
have some kind of counterpoint with the voice, yeah. which would be kind of high pitched and strange. There's, there's uh, speaking of Marlon Brando, the, who was in our last episode, uh, someone asked what made Marlon Brando so great. And somebody pointed out the moment uh, where he's uh, in Julius Caesar. Uh, sure. And he says, lend me your ears, which is just a weird <laughs> emphasis. You know, why, why would you put emphasis there? But it changes the meaning of the Lend line. me your ears. <laughs> and I think that there's something similar going on with Tom Hardy's Bane, where um, what he's saying is cool. It works in the screenplay, but it, in the actual performance, the emphasis is is so weird that you have to kind of strain to to catch him. Yeah. And you're not sure where he's going either. And he's you know walking around pontificating, but also brutally... Uh, beating on guys while he's doing it. Yeah, and that that is the disconcerting is a great thing. He does not have a monster voice. No. So his voice is it, it almost sounds but like quasi lilting Irish like courts will be convened. But it's it's even more disconcerting for for those reasons exactly. Yeah, exactly. I just think in its unpredictability, you always know where to stand with uh certain other villains, right? Like, or Batman's voice. Or Batman's voice. Right. You know. he has the, it's not a car. It's not a car. Uh, but uh <laughs> Like his you know, voice Tom, matches. Yeah, the, the Tom Hardy as Bane is just frightening. Okay, we'll see you in the third segment. Okay. We're going to pause here because we just want to tell you something. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, we're back in segment three where we like to talk about the ending or the title. So Mike, seeing this for the first time, what was your take on the ending? Sure. So before it's revealed that Bruce Wayne as Batman does not actually die in trying to get the nuclear right. weapon away from Gotham, uh, I really, I knew that Batman wasn't dead. You know, there, so I, my, my thing on the ending is I think that they set you up for a great moment. I think that the, the character of Alfred is there from the beginning to give you that kind of moment. That's really the only reason that he exists. But I will say that the, the film never got me into buying uh, that, you know, that Batman was going to die because there's, there's just certain ways. And, you know, Batman doesn't finish out the rest of the movie paralyzed because brain <laughs> broke his back right. you know, he gets snapped in half. And then it's like, Oh, no, you, you, know, go you, get, you go to prison you and the guy Uzbe punches your vertebrae you back in Uzbek prison. And they, they rope you up and you're fine. I hear they have the best uh, spinal surgeons in Uzbek prison. You know, the famous Uzbek therapy. So he undergoes the Uzbek therapy and he's fine. And he, you know, the dark Knight rises out of the, right. out of the pit. Um, there's a lot of cool reveals in this movie. I just didn't feel like, like that was one of them. Though again, it, it was a, it was a good moment, and it's fun to see uh, Batman end up with Selina Kyle. Yes, it is fun to see them, and then you know, and then uh, Alfred gets his nice little moment there where he gets to see them and not not talk to them. I think the ending is great because before I mentioned how it struck me how much Bane is like Robespierre, right? So back to this idea that civilization hangs by a thread. They have those great moments where. Um, where they have the courtroom scene with the scarecrow from the, right. from the first one as the judge, and another great moment, if I can cheat and have a second great moment sure. here, is when is when um, Commissioner Gordon is brought in there, and he he starts giving them the whole speech, and then he, um, the scarecrow says, 
your guilt has been determined. This is a sentencing hearing. And I thought that was also great. And that's also like when you know, you say the wrong thing and then you're branded bad in this way or yeah. bad on that way. You put out you know the wrong tweet and all of a sudden your career's over or something like that. Um, so your, your guilt is, it doesn't matter what you say, anything you say proves that you're guilty. And you see a lot of that going around well, in the world. Killian Murphy is also chilling. Yes. I mean, yes. They, they did an excellent job of picking actors right. uh, that are just right. scary in some way. And it, you know, they don't require anything else to be scary. Killian Murphy, the, the, he doesn't have like a big thing to be the scarecrow. They never put the straw mask back on. He's just frightening because he's you know, frightening. it's him. Yeah. So he says, you know, so, you know, clearly like, you know, in the world that Bane offers everybody, you're guilty because you exist or you're guilty because you think differently about how things should be run than, than the people who are in power. And so that's like the terror, right? Which, which, you know, um, Bane unleashes upon Gotham city, but that also comes up at the end. So when they're having the funeral, it's funny you mentioned that moment at the end when they're having the funeral for Bruce Wayne and Gary Oldman is reading from tale to cities and he's doing, you know, city card is a far, far better thing. What struck me about the ending is that um, Bruce gets to have, the Tale of Two Cities ending, but he gets to live. He does. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, like, um, you know, you know, Sidney Carton has to die to, to get those props from the reader. He's got to die to get the reader's respect and Batman gets to die and live. So he gets both of them. He gets the statue in Gotham. His, his reputation's restored. But, but in, in a way, Batman really has died and there's only Bruce Wayne at the end. Oh yeah, that's true. That's very good. Yes, there is no Batman at the end, right? All that gets the statue, he's not coming back. Of course, then they cheat and they have uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as you know, quote unquote, Robin as Robin to discover in. the Batcave. Although that's that that also is a cool moment. I feel like that moment could have been uh, super cheesy. Yes, but uh, Christopher Nolan, I think, saves it with how physically difficult it looks to get. You mean when into, he finds the Batcave? Yeah, yeah. How, how physically difficult it looks to get into the Batcave. You have to like suspend yourself <laughs> upside down and swing through the waterfall. Yeah. And then find out where you are. That's so, like the bat suit. Like, like, do you want it? Like, nah, nah, nah. sure, I'll go see the bat game. Okay, here's what you have to do. Ah, forget it. Yeah, <laughs> forget. You go. You, you t tell me how it is. Put it on. Put it on the web. Um, it's also great. You said not cheesy because I think a, a cheesier director would have had a scene where like Robin picks up the mask or something. But all you know is his name is Robin, and the bat game just starts coming out of the water, and you're like, okay, right? Like Gotham's. I think that's supposed to be like Gotham's going to be okay without Bruce. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that they did a really good job making that house look empty. I always, yes. I always thought, um, I don't know if you ever saw uh, Mel Gibson's version of Hamlet. Yes. But my, my big takeaway from Mel Gibson's version of Hamlet is who's going to fight to be king of that Elsinore? You know, it's like, it's all bare stone. There's no tapestry anywhere. It looks like they don't have running water. The roof leaks. And the, I will seduce my brother's wife to, to, to run this cave. Right. So that is actually what I thought of the way that they made Wayne Manor look. Uh, in this movie when he's supposed to be creepy Bruce uh, at the beginning. So I thought that there is a satisfactory ending by having it turn into that, you know, the orphan house with the, the bright lights yes. and everything. And th they did a really good job of tying up all the loose ends to make it clear that they weren't just doing this to make another a Batman movie. And, and I really respected that. Yeah. Christopher Nolan. It really does. To use a cheesy word, like it does give you closure. Yes. Very well to the three of them. And you, and you have to give them a lot of respect. And like, you know, Bruce rises out of his depression. Um, Selena gets the clean slate. Remember she wants the clean mm -hmm. slate program. I mean, Bruce gets the clean slate too. So everybody that you've been rooting for, you know, kind of get, gets their thing. Uh, Lucius is going to be in charge of, you know, mm -hmm. um, Wayne Enterprise and stuff like that. So every, you know, everybody has a happy ending, but it doesn't feel cheesy. Right. Okay, great. So we'll see you next time on 15-Minute Film Fanatics. This podcast has conquered you. This podcast has conquered you. <laughs>
We'd like to thank everybody who's been listening to the show and downloading the episodes. Yeah, you can tweet us or leave recommendations of films that we should cover at at 15minfilm. That's at 15minfilm. You can also leave us a voicemail by following the link on the episode descriptions that are wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a lot for listening. Yeah, see you next time.